Ah, emotions. Ah, it's been a day. It's been 24 hours since the end of the game. I I told you guys if we lost, it was going to be about a day of collecting thoughts before we hop on here and just start yelling about things. It's like the same reason that coaches and GMs aren't allowed to call the league until 24 hours after. It's just not when you're fired up. It's not always the best time to get on and uh, send your thoughts uh, off the top of your head to uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of people. So, you know, from from an HR standpoint, I agree with you. But from an honesty and accuracy standpoint, I think I disagree. There's that. There is that. Um, but again, it was overtime. It was late. Um, more of us are available today. I think it's worth it to get all of us together for such a, I guess, special episode. Welcome back to Leafs Late Night. Roscoe, Steph the Fanalist, Galaxy Bean, and Southey. Welcome, everybody. Um, <clears throat> lots to talk about. We're going to talk about the season highs and lows, mostly highs. Uh, the series, the entire postseason, and uh, last of all, all of your amazing positive comments that you left today on Twitter for us. Uh, 60 of you answered. I don't know if we'll get through all of it. We'll try to speed through them, but uh, a lot of positive takes from everybody. Good things to take away from this season. It's not all doom and gloom, and we're here to uh, remind you of that. So welcome back. Presented by Inside the Rank, we are Leafs Late Night. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're back. Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Uh, the only one missing tonight is the one that I wanted to give a shout out to. The Darty Brodeur, if you missed it, called into the Fan 590 morning show as uh, Marty from Keswick, and we got to keep that going. I'm keeping that within the Leafs Late Night Circle. Um, we got to get that on a shirt or something, have like <laughs> a picture of Darty, but wearing a really, like one of those fake mustaches. It just says Marty from Keswick. <laughs> <laughs> a pappy mustache and like, yeah, good to go. Like one of those one of those name tag stickers that you would see at like a work function. Like hello, yeah. my name hello is. Hello, my name is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. No, but honestly, it was uh it was a great bit, um, fully in character calling in and a shout out to uh to Marty, obviously stealing the name from him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a it was a great bit, and I agreed with every sentiment from the the hosts there of the fan. In that, uh, Darty can come back anytime; he just needs a better connection. <laughs> Same for Leafs late night; uh, he can come on any episode. Just guy, get a better connection. Fuck <laughs> Telus, man! Like, get rid of these guys. It doesn't work for you out in Keswick, clearly, or Newmarket. <laughs> get on the Bell or Rogers monopoly deal i'm playing monopoly goal right now on my phone so i have a lot of monopoly terms stuck in my brain but yeah see for Random. me it was i watched the high school musical trilogy 
um, cool. as part of a. Uh, so you could do, I think it's called Teleparty. It's a, an add-on you can get for Chrome where you can watch stuff with people. So obviously, because I'm away uh, across many provinces, my uh, girlfriend and I were we were doing Twilight, and then we switched over to because uh, I got locked out of Netflix finally. Switched over to Disney Plus to watch High School Musical. Just obviously hate watching things, but um, I was feeling there's a in the third one. There's the scene. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it or remember it. If you have, in the third one, they're like in their senior year, so they have 16 minutes left to beat Wildcats, and there's like this whole thing about like, you know, we got 16 minutes. It's now or never. And I'm like, I looked at the clock, and there was 16 minutes left in the third. I was like, oh fuck, it's now or never. <laughs> Never have I ever watched High School Musical. Oh, Steph, you gotta. I need See, Darty I here for this. Where's my? I have my not 90s watched kid? any of the High School Musicals or any of the Twilights. Oh, killing! I me. have watched Twilight, but I cannot remember when was last time. I cannot recall whatsoever. But I wanted to watch a guilty Bad pleasure. I'd put a Tampa Bay Lightning game on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fair. buddy! Fair. Yeah. All right. So, uh, man, obviously, Leafs in seven was always a pipe dream, but fuck, it hurts. Like, after how hard they fought and how the first couple games, you're like, you know what? Those could have gone either way. All we have to do is have a couple go our way for a change that should have. And it was it was possible. It was always possible. I mean, fuck, it went down in overtime. Like, they could. Oh, man. Like, who would have thought yeah. scoring goals would this? be our big problem? Second series? That's. <laughs> right our defensive play was fantastic goaltending was great but we couldn't fucking buy a goal top four one goal that's what that's what killed hmm. us and look was... we got we were called out with the uh the we want florida shirt and i just want to say we had this whole discussion and we all agreed it's not gonna be fun either way whether we get boston or florida and bobrovsky was the deciding factor especially the tip me i was like look I'm not scared of anybody on Florida except if Sergei Bobrovsky just decides to shut the door for however many games. And look what happened. 50 shots? Are you fucking so, kidding me? I, I, I think I'm remembering correctly. Um, last night, Bob had 2.67 goals saved above expected. Get out of here. 2.67. Every single game in the series, he was above two. It's insane. Like, like we managed like, to control the chuck and all those if, other guys. If, if you go back to sorry, Sully, if you go back to as, as long as this stat has been tracked, this is probably one of the best postseason runs a goalie has had. Like yeah. le- legitimately, which is no, so because he didn't even start the playoffs for them. Yeah, the fact that Lyon was the one that came in and finished the season and then started the playoffs, it's like nobody expected Bob to come off the bench. The guy's been riding the pine for three years now. Like, am I wrong? They signed him and then it was immediately like, oh, shit, this was maybe not a good idea. And they've been trying to find somebody to start for him. And he's been the backup. Like, where is this coming from? Yeah, well, like goalies are voodoo, right? That this happens so often. Look at... Even since the lockout, you got Cam Ward for Carolina taking them to the cup. You've got Dwayne Rolson that same season dragging Edmonton to the final, right? Goalies can just all of a sudden get hot. Like, did anybody think Michael Layton was going to take the Flyers to the cup final against the Blackhawks in 2010? No. It's it, 
Tim Thomas coming out of nowhere to be a, a stud for just a handful of random seasons. Like it's such a weird position. And when you get hot, you got to take advantage of it. And unfortunately for us, that's what Bob's doing right now. Yeah. I mean, look, I, when we talked about the reasons that the Panthers might be a better matchup, it was because back like top to bottom uh, goalies aside like it's a manageable team and the Leafs proved that like they t- like Sadie said everybody was under control they completely shut um Kachuk down through the whole series Gudis was not a problem the only one that was really a you know newfound villain for the Leafs was Sam Bennett but and I, I just think it was because they weren't looking at this guy thinking he was somebody that they'd have to control but I think when you start to suppress other people Obviously, somebody has to step up. So, you know, there were him and Duclair, I think, were the only ones that that looked dangerous and Verhage. But I mean, otherwise, really, they kept all the shots to the outside from them. Everybody was fantastic. Even Wall was great stepping in for Sammy. Like it's everybody played so well. It's so frustrating that it, it came down to just not being able to get anything past this goalie. Yeah, uh, I'm with Marty from Keswick here with the reverse sweep. I mean, it had to happen to advance, but honestly, it's not just Bob who won the show, in my personal opinion. It was the officials as well last night, and I don't want to be that person with a tinfoil hat at the moment, but you cannot disagree with some of these calls that completely changed the game, Um, not in the Leafs' favor, and... I don't know. Keith before the game yesterday said, you know, you just got to dig in, stay with it. And I thought the Leafs did that. They had their chances. They played a pretty well defensive game. Joseph Wall was incredible once again. It's just these fucking ticky tacky calls or non calls or icing or it, it, it like went down a list of every possible thing that could happen. Didn't go the Leafs away. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm I'm trying to like I I totally agree with you and I'm not discrediting any of that by any means. I I'm just trying to stick to the the fact that if if they had scored none of that matters. Like if they had four goals like they're expected to have in all these games, none of that matters. Like you're not worrying about oh well we lost that one uh power play or whatever it was or oh that that one missed call could have made a difference you know when your backs against the wall and it's down to you know one penalty call being the thing that gets you to the next round you've already lost like you're you're kind of rolling the dice with uh the refs getting you through at that point like it i just hate that they couldn't fucking score this team scored like crazy all season (sighs) yeah uh, I think a, an important note, though, that was um, reported up with the Athletic was that the reason why Florida were a wild card team to begin with was because so many of their games were being played on special teams, and they struggle with special teams, right? Like this is what really brought them down during the regular season, and. This series happens to be the least penalized series since 2015, Chicago versus Minnesota. Uh, The league is currently averaging 8.2 penalties per game, and this series series was 3.8 per 60 minutes. Like, it's record numbers again, and it it, it was, like, called in the Florida's flavor. If That was the thing that was going to stop them, special teams, in my opinion. But the officials did every favor for the Panthers to not use their whistles. Yeah, it was evident the whistles were away. And I think 
what you have to do by game two or three when you realize that that's going to be the case and it's not changing is you have to adjust. And I feel like, uh, not to to knock on them, I feel like the Leafs didn't adjust to that. There was a lot of you know trying to get these calls and expecting the power play to come and and still yelling at the refs all the way up through game five when like it it wasn't going to happen. You have to start answering the same way that that Florida is, and you know maybe test how much you can get away with. And I. I know it's dangerous to do that, and the Leafs are the ones that always get called for it. But look, if you are getting high stick twice, there's interference, elbows, all these things that are going on called. Like clearly, you're going to be able to get away with a little bit. And we saw that. I mean, there were a couple things that went on called for the Leafs, like some trips and and you know people sliding that normally would be called a trip, which we saw in other games, and some maybe questionable boarding, but look, that's that's playoff hockey. Sometimes the whistle goes away and it's about how you answer it. And I think the way they answered that was firing 50 plus shots on Sergei Bobrovsky. I just don't get how none of them went in. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy to me to know that, you know, this is the only sixth time in playoff history that a series has had under 4.5 penalties per 60 minutes. Like, I don't know. It just shit like this seems to happen to the Leafs and they tried everything like they even stayed in a hotel guys they didn't even go home in Toronto because they wanted to keep their um, road mindset they wanted to stay with it like even though there's four guys with newborns at home like they're like no 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 you guys can't go home you got to go to the hotel stay on this grind and get to the arena like what else can you do when you witness such bullshit before your eyes? I don't know. It's just so frustrating because now we're at this point where obviously the roster can't stay together. And yeah, there was great things to take away from the game. But I don't know. Even all my Leaf hater friends agree with some of these calls not going our way. It's oh. Okay, so let's talk about one of the biggest ones and the biggest positives from this entire series and it's one that we wanted to happen and that's Morgan Riley really stepping up and proving he's a leader on this team he's a veteran he's gonna wear blue and white forever this guy flipped the switch after having one of his worst seasons in a long time and just led offense defense power play everything this guy turned it on and I'm so happy that he found it because going into this offseason with all the question marks it feels like he's protected now. Like nobody's going to be talking about moving him after the performance that he had through this, uh, this postseason. So obviously we see Morgan Riley picking up the first goal. Uh, and then we see Morgan Riley rush the net and throw his arms up as though he has scored. And this is where all hell breaks loose for breaks the loose. first time of the night. So <laughs> what, do, what do we think here? Obviously, the the play um the call came down and friedman tweeted out what the rule was um the play can be called dead even if the whistle isn't blown as long as it's understood basically that the play is dead uh in my opinion this puck went in first and what they were reviewing is not what they should have been like the situation room is really specific about, you know, the refs ask them to look at one instance of did the puck go over right here? And what they came back with was, yes, it was over there, but the play was dead. I was under the impression that it had immediately gone in while the play was still alive. And that part just wasn't what they were looking at. So uh, I don't want to 
I don't want to just die on this hill, but like that really pissed me off. And even the in the panel, they were like, I, I don't get it. And just before I throw it to you, Beaner, the, the thing that really grinds my gears about it is that Friedman's comments about the, I forget which goal it was earlier in the playoffs that was called a goal when it was under pad, was he said that the NHL is not in the business of taking goals away, especially in the playoffs. So that is the, the biggest thing that I don't understand about this is most of the time when we see these question mark goals happen this year, when it's called a goal on the ice, they're not going to take it away because like he said, the, the league is not interested in taking goals away this year, regardless of how, you know, maybe 2% doubt there could have been on that. It, it's a goal. We called it a goal. Let's not take that away. That is my biggest sticking point of this is why they managed to find a reason to take this goal away. So I, I pretty much agree with your entire mindset on this. Um, the, the clip that everybody's been sharing online of, of basically when Bobrovsky, <clears throat> excuse me, is standing up and you see the puck right beside his skate blade. It doesn't matter that he didn't blow the whistle at that point. The play's dead. Everybody knows yeah. the play's dead, right? Like that's just general knowledge. It's when he's sliding across you can see it underneath, so his pad is against the ice, but up by his toe where the curve is before the pad comes down to the boot of your skate, you can see the puck there, and it does look like there's a little bit of white ice. It's very difficult to tell, but if you think logically, which I know the Situation Room in the NHL doesn't like to do, <laughs> you look at the position of the pad where the puck is. And then you time sync it with the overhead view. So when you see it and it looks like it's in, go to the overhead camera. That portion of his pad is a good foot in the net. Even though mm -hmm. you can barely tell from the front view, from the above view, you it's a good foot in the net. Now, Friedman had a good point, first in a long time, that he doesn't understand why we're not using the chips that are already in the pucks to help That's track this. That's what I was this. saying too. I don't get this. And I know previously people have said, oh, well, you know, it's it's tough to to guarantee that, you know, that the, the puck was entirely across the line. N no, it's not. Because with geolocation, you can tell with ridiculous accuracy where that puck is. There was a commercial and for Amazon Web Services who run, or no, was it Verizon? through Amazon web services that run the thing in the puck, they were bragging about all of the different stats they can get in real time from the puck. It is not hard to tell mm -hmm. if that thing went all the way over a predetermined line that you program. Like that's not complicated in 2023. No, it, it, it would solve so many issues, not only with goals, high sticks, like puck over glass, puck in like, was it in play? Was it not in play? So many different things could be solved with just using the technology that's already there. But they're okay. so fast. You can set parameters on your phone around your house for where your fucking vacuum cleaner goes and doesn't go. <laughs> and you're telling me that you can't tell a, a puck, hey, if it's tipped over this line, which is the crossbar, or if it goes over this, which is where the glass is, or across this, which is a goal, track it. That's not complicated. I no. It blows my mind that they've just 
left so much up to human error when the technology is there. Like I'm all for leaving things in humans' hands in this world, especially as things are getting scary AI. But when there are things that need to be right or wrong and there's no gray area, when you have the ability to have the answer through technology that is available to you and already installed, use it. Yeah. No, I I completely agree. Um, But then at the same time with what else you were saying is that, like, they didn't call it a goal on the ice. If they had called it a goal on the ice, I don't think there's any way they could overturn it. You're because right, you actually. Definitive proof that it didn't go in. They didn't make Riley any cheered. call on the ice. They literally didn't do anything. The Riley cheered. The goal on the the ticker on the on the screen went up though. Yeah, but the ref didn't signal. The ticker doesn't matter. That could be no. You're right. You, yeah. you sitting in the press box, right? Like, it, it, no offense, but it, like it could be anybody. No. I think Mike Stevens put this rule in the best way, in my opinion, pretty much the with the whole whistle thing. The refs are allowed to determine when the play is dead by imagining it and expecting everyone else to read his mind. Because how else is this supposed to happen? I mean, you have four eyes on the play. You see the guy who's furthest from the net put the whistle up near his mouth, goes down again, up again, no whistle. Everyone's just so clueless. And then you're left like, okay, ref, uh, what you thinking there? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. The technology should be there, of course. It's there for tennis. It's there. Like, I, I just don't get it. I And the bullshit chance were, you know, it, it happened. It was a seven-minute review, guys. I have a video on my phone that clearly shows white between the puck and the and the and the line, the goal line, like Weird. on the I initial know. shot, like not even a couple minutes after when Bob gets up on the initial shot, like a continuation goal. This should be. Yep. It. Okay. Last annoying thing I want to talk about before we get into good things because I don't want to spend too long on this. We, you, uh, Beaner brought up tracking when the thing goes over the glass. That I have never seen a penalty called for puck over glass when it's shot into the bench. Yep. Another thing the technology would be great for this moment where Brody uh, accidentally flicks it over the bench, not even the glass. First, we think it's Barkov, but the angle that sticks super weird and everyone's arguing it. And Especially like, in overtime in an elimination game, like that's a really crazy time to call that penalty when you've had the whistles away for the last 45 minutes. And how about when Bobrovsky goes to play the puck on a icing call and oh. then it gets freaking blown down on icing? Like, okay, oh, I get yeah. the whole battle to the to the dot and whatever. No, the goalie freaking came out of his net to play the puck. It's not like he let it slide. Like, ugh, I don't know. Yeah, but okay. The positive of Brody's penalty in overtime was that the Leafs rallied and killed a full two-minute penalty in overtime in an elimination game. And let's use that as a segue to talk about some positive things from this series and uh, the entire season before we get to everybody else's thoughts. So obviously, we talked about Morgan Riley. We've talked a little bit about Joseph Wall, but. Really, the goaltending situation in general um, was, a, aside from everybody getting hurt, they were all great this year. Like, 
in this series. I mean, Sammy was fantastic and, and wall stepped up having not played in a while. And man, I'm, I'm just really happy for the guy and glad that it, it could turn into a career for him. You know, he's not hanging out in the AHL anymore. I don't think. Speaking of wall though, I really freaking hated when this Neanderthal freaking Gudis screaming in his face, a rookie goalie, when they won the game, scoring like he's inches away from his face, screaming like a freaking caveman, like have some respect guys. And I know there's a lot of discussion out there, like how fans can be a little crazy and, you know, get violent or throw things on the ice, but you know, these guys clearly know that Joseph Wall is a rookie. They clearly know there's so much on the line. Don't do that. Like, I don't know. I, it just pissed me off. And even with the whole Bennett thing, like, no, nobody, you know, paying attention to Bennett. Like, as Steve Dangle said today on his podcast, the only time the Leafs touched Bennett was in the handshake line. Hello, hello, hello. Can you hear me? Check one, two, one, two. Tapping in for Tapping in, yeah. Okay, I hope this doesn't sound too bad in the recording. I tried to turn my my vehicle's Bluetooth off, but it's deciding, you know, technology's decided to uh, go against me. Um, Unlike... uh, Unlike the Tell Leafs, us. where uh, the technology just doesn't seem to work, and uh, we can't use it to accurately portray anything, and therefore we go off of some idiot referee's opinion, apparently, about when a whistle did or did not happen. I don't know. How about we just say, fuck the Leafs, and it's never going to happen, and Harold Ballard wins again, right? Like, what a joke. I'm sorry, not to be a Debbie Downer here, <laughs> but Gary Bettman, you're a real piece of human garbage now like you're a terrible commissioner if, if if anybody anybody worth their salt would have made a, a bigger executive call on something like that considering how important you know i don't know i just can't see any other team like the leafs like say in you know major league baseball like say manchester united say fucking the goddamn dallas cowboys that kind of call gets like figured out right away in a in a more positive manner for for a team like that i don't know maybe maybe the leafs just are are the florida panthers you know maybe they are who you know who we think the panthers are maybe there's a garbage tier team not an original six team doesn't deserve you know calls to go their way ever doesn't deserve to have refereeing be um even at least once in this entire series i don't know it's just it just doesn't make sense to me how a team like the toronto maple leafs you know one of if not the second biggest team in this in this uh in this league that can't get a single call to go their way. And we have idiots like Maurice trying to count like he's professor Snape on his, on his fingertips about how many you know calls are going, which way, how about you shut the hell up? You moron. Like <laughs> that's so stupid. Like <laughs> this guy's arguing about calls in like what game one. And yet for the rest of the series, every single call has gone his way. Like, give me a break. Yeah. Oh, love ya. Good to have oh, you it's, back. Oh, it's so frustrating, right? Like, is so much on the line, guys. Like, I know I don't want to be whining and crying this whole podcast, but the pain is real. Not. We said we weren't no. going to, and I'm trying to steer us away from it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, and it, it even sucks. Like, 
there's a common denominator here with how these series have ended <laughs> ended in the last couple of years. For example, Columbus Blue Jackets and Nick Felino ends the series. Tampa, it's Nick Paul. Florida, it's Nick Cousins. <laughs> Do we need a Nick on our team, guys? Is Nick Robertson like the missing piece here? <laughs> there's just a lot of people in... I feel like it was a really popular name 26 to 24 years ago because every like I'm not kidding. I think I work with seven people around that age named Nick. Like it's a very common name in that age range. So I, there's that. <laughs> Fair. But why is it always a Nick? I don't know. Just weird to me but no it's true we got all the m's uh, and they got all the next man it it hurts too because you know granny o'reilly is there up in seaforth ontario at her, at her old age home retirement home with all the residents cheering on her grandson for the first year and you only hope that ryan o'reilly you know signs with this club long term <laughs> anyway but and even his mother bonnie guys like Apparently, she can't talk to anyone for a day. I think we're the same person after a loss. But <laughs> her advice was to kick some ass. I saw no ass kicking. I don't know. Do, do you guys think they should have been a little bit more physical? I was just or... gonna say that the the Leafs. I think they were plenty physical. Can we can we go back to my prompt, please? Yeah, just uh, just the whole Bennett thing. Like, just uh, I don't know. Achari led the entire. Here's a positive. And to turn your frown upside down, Charlie led the entire playoffs in hits. Everybody yeah. with 69. Okay, going into that game. Nice. Were they not physical enough? Get out of here. Come on. I'm sorry, and Steph. Like they were hitting the shit out of everybody and they were hitting people in the right moments. And somebody pointed out uh, on Twitter, it wasn't like Roman Polak who hits people and takes themselves out of a play. It was hits when they matter and taking people taking the other player out of the play and making sure that you have an odd man rush the other way or, you know, taking out the person who's about to get the puck. Like they were effective in the way that they were throwing hits around. They took Radko Gudis out, like we mentioned many times, like they showed physicality. Were they physical in sticking up for each other after the whistle? Eh, that could have had a little work. But look, they weren't taking dumb penalties. Okay, Peter, go ahead. That's the key right there because I don't want to sound like that fan complaining about this kind of thing, but... When it comes to stuff in between the whistles, the Leafs have to keep themselves to a higher standard because calls are not going to go in their favor, which we've touched on. So you can't have any more the Kyle Cliffords or the Colton Ors or, you know, the dinosaurs like George Peros just mucking it up in between whistles because you're going to get calls. We saw with the bunting suspension. Two questions. Why and why? I know you can't answer this, Bean, but for all the fans out there and for anybody who actually cares to listen, why? Why one and why two? Because here's the thing. We put asses in seats every fucking night. Every night. They couldn't do that for one goddamn game, let alone I'm sure there were several games they couldn't put they couldn't fill a stadium. Explain that to me. I know you can't. I'm talking to whoever listens. They couldn't even carry the flag. Exactly. All right. So if we can't get a fucking call to go our way. Here, pardon my French, pardon all the words I've said, you know, swear jar, Darty owes a thousand dollars probably this season, but, and I, mean, I know you got something eloquent to say, but it's 
infuriating now. It is infuriating. Why why can't we have uh, shit going on after the whistle? Why can't why are the calls going against us? We are putting asses in seats every goddamn night. We're putting the lights on in this goddamn league. If if we're getting calls against us, like that bullshit, that's wrong, all right? And I'm not saying I believe in equality. I believe in that rules should be fair, but it's very fucking apparent that the rules are not fair, that it is against the Leafs. So goddamn it, Gary Bedman, you either fix it and make it fucking fair to everybody or, you know what? Shut the fucking league down. Shut it down. This is garbage. This is actually this is horse shit. This is not it's not fair for the MLB. It's not fair for the NBA. Goddamn LeBron James would have had his ass out there fucking telling you to eat shit if he was playing in this league. So Figure it out, because I know that Austin Matthews and and Mitch Marner and even Connor McDavid don't have, unfortunately, the the same personality to tell you to figure your crap out. But you know what? If this was LeBron James on any other goddamn team, he you know playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, he would fucking tell Adam Silver, "You got shit to sort out right now." I'm not, I'm not dealing with this crap. And we'd have a guy like, unfortunately, you know, it is too weird to compare, but yes, Austin Matthews is up there with, you know, LeBron James on the top athletes for any league. Right. So it would behoove Gary Bettman to maybe have, have stupid shit. Like, you know, what happened with that stupid uh, Morgan Riley goal never happen on a national league stage ever. End point. Keep going. I'll To go back so, to your to, to your point about why the Leafs get called for it, to quote Shorzy, well, he's going to go after the guy who retaliates, eh? The Leafs but, are always the ones that are getting pushed around, and if they retaliate, they're going to get called for it. They're never the first one in. Can they be sometimes, and do they get called for it? No. But every the thing that we're asking for to happen is something that you're going to get called for every time. And, like, we've seen Marner laugh in people's faces there were some shots after the whistle by Matthews throwing people down in front of the net. Like they were, they were doing what they needed to do, but they weren't taking stupid penalties. Yeah. So Darty, you answered your own question there. We put people in seats. It doesn't matter if the Leafs are the last team in the league or right up there for, in the top five in the league, the Leafs put people in seats. And for this instance, it's not just the Leafs that this happens to. This happens to the Rangers. As much as I hate to say it, this happens to the Canadians. It happens to the Leafs. It happens to the teams that the league doesn't need to worry about. And yet again, I'm not I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole, but it, it does. It legitimately does. And I don't know if it's a subconscious thing, if it's someone saying, you know what, we got to kind of lean a little bit away from these big market teams because, you know, if they're not successful, it's not going to break us. But... That's why that happens. And then secondly, basketball, LeBron wouldn't say that too much because he would just give up on his team and go to a different team. <laughs> Which he's done many times. Like, le- legitimately, I'm not trying to rip on the guy, but there is no loyalty in basketball whatsoever. No. Um, I'm, I'm just saying we've seen we've seen their guy. We've seen like I'm not just I'm just using LeBron James as a placeholder. I've seen many top NBA players call like what I'm pretty sure uh, was it one of our guys or something that like like said that uh, said something about the officiating or something like that. I I, I recall like some very colorful uh, words uh, said about officiating, but in the NBA this just this season, <laughs> and people were losing their minds. So it's just I just it does. It does bother me that, again, we're talking about us putting asses in seats, but it's like, yes, like some some would say that 
being a top tier team in a you know national league would give you an unfair advantage it's unfortunate that we never see that unfair advantage right like what would be a positive for ever like <laughs> it's just weird you know it's just it's just i'm not i'm not asking to cheat but what i am asking for is for stuff like that to just not happen you know it, it, it was nice when it happened to us in that New Jersey game randomly mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season. Well, and we're like, oh, great. Something that never happens to the Leafs. That's cool. Uh, but that kind of thing would have been nice to happen, you know, in a game in a game five where we'd still just get another game and a chance to lose. But it just it's just it's in, it's nauseating losing this way when in, in a way we, you know, we won three two. Right. Like that's the difference maker that's the like and i know it's weird to say because these guys could have just won at least one game in those first three games but still it's just it's really shitty is it not is it just not like annoying as hell no it is and especially after you know getting through the first round for the the first time in 19 years to lose in five games to the florida panthers it sucks it's not the way that this should have ended and it feels unfair i get it but to to Beater's point about putting putting asses in seats, I I think you made a good point about it. You know, is it subconscious? Because I think if you watch any, like, is it, for example, say you watch Survivor, if there's somebody right off the bat who's like huge and winning all the challenges and and gets all the food and is like the top, you know, expected person to win, people aren't cheering for that person. Like, it's not it, the the underdog mentality is something that goes across all competition in the way that people watch things. And I don't think it's something that you can control. And that comes all the way down to the people that are refing and commentating on the game. Like it's not, it's not exciting to cheer for the team that people want to win. Like if I, as somebody who doesn't watch football, tune into the Super Bowl, I'm probably going to cheer for the underdog. Like if you're jumping into a sport, you want, it's a better story, right? Like, I feel like that's just ingrained in people and we don't have that that self-awareness as being Leaf fans to to see it sometimes that, you know, everybody outside of this circle doesn't want us to win, like very much doesn't want us to win because we are the the big bad, the Darth Vader, like, you know, I think we forget that sometimes. It's just frustrating, too, when you see the the guys who are actually hired to analyze these games, you know, agree with the fans and say it their way, like, this should have never happened, what's going on the, on the ice sort of thing, and former players, like, everyone under the sun except for Panthers fans are pretty much agreeing about the outcome of this game. It's not like a couple fans who are sore losers and um, they're just having a little hissy fit. Like, this is a common mindset right now so it makes you feel even worse like would getting one power play somewhere in this game have changed the fact that they couldn't get anything past bob like i struggle to find you know if any of these things had gone differently other than riley's goal counting would anything have changed like the fact that they couldn't score through five games was not because there were missed calls. It was because a goalie was standing on his head and getting a power play isn't necessarily going to change anything there. It wasn't that they couldn't get through the Florida defense or forwards. It was that they literally couldn't score on the goalie. And whether you have five people on the ice or six or nine, that wasn't going to change. So I, I get that people are frustrated when things get missed 
and it's the second year in a row that a goal has been called back and shit's been missed. But I really don't think that that was the deciding factor in this series. And if you lose in five games, it can't be because of refing. It's because you didn't fucking score a goal. But also, I know you have your hand up being one thing. That cousin's goal, guys. Gudis literally has Yarncroke's stick in his hands. He would have blocked that shooting lane if he so had a stick it. available. So challenge it. I don't like, know how, I, what do you, yeah, like you can't. That's not challenging. Literally, Brody got the penalty the other game for holding the stick there. And like, that is clear as day. Like his stick is on an angle going upwards in Glutus's glove. The only reason why he let go was to get, get open to not block the shot in front for freaking cousins. That's how one goal games go. Like we watched, we, we've done this for two years now. A one goal game is going to be decided by something stupid. And unless you can get a multiple goal lead where you protect yourself from bullshit happening, you can't like you're tossing it to the gods. You're rolling the dice. Like I said, if you can't solidify your win before it gets to the end of regulation, you are leaving it up to the cocky gods for absolutely fucking anything to happen. And I'm sorry, but I just, I can't be on this team of complaining that oh this should have been called or that should have been called they should have fucking won they should have scored more goals and they should have won but they didn't but they would have if the refs did their job sort of thing it's not one I, thing I, that stood out it's I like multiple multiple things i he, i just i can't get behind if they had any of these calls go their way that they were going to score five more goals every game and this would have gone the other way like they didn't the first two games they got blown out the third game they looked like shit like they couldn't score. They were deflated by the time game four came around. They managed to scrounge that one together. And then this one went to overtime. Like they were not the better team outside of the, like, ugh, it's, they were the better team, but they couldn't score. Like that's all it comes down to. They didn't, all of this is, I'm sorry, but like Bob was the deciding thing in this series, not the referees. Well, I look, disagree. Well, look, you put no, three. No, it was him. Bob and you the officials. Three he tried to hide one, like he's like shoplifting at Dollarama. All right, so yeah, there was three goals there, whether you like it or not. Whether the whistle's <laughs> there, who cares? You put three pucks past the blue line. Three all right, goals on whether they took shots. one away. So you want to call Bob the deciding factor? Yeah, he's good at fucking shoplifting. All right, he's good at stealing. He's good at uh, hiding the porno mags underneath his bed. <laughs> but what he can't, you, you're gonna say, like. <laughs> You're actually going to discredit, like, yeah, he let in, sure, if we're going to count Riley's, he let in three goals on f over 50 shots in the game. Both like, can be true, though. Both can be true that Bob, Bob stole the game as well as the officials. I disagree because the Leafs outplayed the entire Panthers skater lines. Like, there was nobody on the ice for the Panthers besides Bob that outplayed the Leafs. So whether you have a power play or not, if you can't score on him, it doesn't fucking matter. They could have had six power plays that game. If Bob stands on his head, that's all it is. It doesn't matter if these things get called or not if they can't score. And you can't Com take him off the ice. Completely agree, Justin. Roscoe. Like, it, uh, as, as much as everybody can complain about the officiating, it is for all teams at the end of the day. There were calls that did not get called against the Leafs that probably should have. They didn't seem as blatant, but they were there. And in spite of everything, the Leafs played their asses off. Like, can we just take a second to acknowledge that? This isn't yes. the team that folded against the Canadians. This isn't the team that folded because 
Pierre-Luc Dubois decided he wanted to play hockey for a series. Like, this team, they went down 2-0. They battled back and tied it up. They went down 3-0 in the series. They battled back and forced a Game 5. Like, Almost essentially a game six too, even right? This, like we can we not admit that like they essentially yeah, could have yeah. if it wasn't again, refereeing aside, if it wasn't for some phantom whistle that never they happened, the end. that's game six right there, right? And I think that's why we're pissed off. I'm like even even I can I think Steph can agree. It's not necessary, but fuck for game one, two, two, three, four. Like it's really because of that phantom fucking whistle because it's unfair to say that we didn't force a game six. Like if we lost in game six whatever but it's like it's the knowing it's the knowing that we could have had a game six we know we didn't get we didn't win the series hell they could have fleeced us on game seven and we would be crying here like oh this is the leafiest thing that possibly happened like we go we fight back just to lose in seven games we deserve that game six all right and who's to tell us we didn't some asshole from boston some asshole from from uh from the florida panthers because those are the only two people laughing in our faces right now everybody else doesn't give a given crap it's just boston fans who who really wanted to see us and panthers fans who you know the two of them that are there like oh we can't wait to go play the canes you know like even though they're gonna lose to frederick anderson probably which is hilarious right like when a leafs goalie finally shows up he's gonna show up against the panthers right when he's not on our team i don't know man the panthers have been on such a streak i think they're just gonna ride this one God, I hope you don't think so. It's in no. their favor. If the refs put the whistles in their pocket, then yeah, for sure. But if they get called oh for God, what they Steph, should be called, I'm just saying, like I'm, it. Like, I'm okay. Turn with... on, turn on the Edmonton series then, and and watch 60 minutes of that, and tell me that things don't get called. Like it's not us. We're not alone in this. We're not singled out. Well, no, that that rats. Edmonton series screwed them too, like, right? With uh, Darnell, was it Darnell Nurse or? Who or who was it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So like, okay. So maybe it's a Canada okay. referee thing. Maybe the Canadian, maybe the refs hate Canada. I don't know. They're self hating refs, aren't they? <laughs> mostly from Canada, anyways. Like, what the hell is this? I know what you're saying, Darty, but that one literally is in like that's a it, one of the very few things that's set in stone in the rules. If that if they didn't want that to be a talking point, don't give them an instigator at that point in the game. Like, if you get an instigator at that point in the hockey game, it's a suspension. The only way it's not a suspension is if the NHL gets involved and rescinds it. And that's not the Department of Player Safety. That's the NHL. So why would they... Like, that's just asking for trouble to get in there and rescind a call that's black and white. Like that's That like just stupid, goes to show how little like the stupid, they know about their own rulebook. That they would make the call and then go, oh shit, we didn't realize the repercussions of the call we just made. Who, but I don't want to accuse a ref of doing this, but who says they didn't? That se- <sighs> that series yeah. has been getting nasty. Like Evander Kane should have probably been suspended for the hit that led Petrangelo to attempt to break Drysaddle's arm. I don't know if yeah, you guys saw brutal. that hit from behind. That was disgusting. Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. Like I, I hate Evander Kane for multiple reasons, and we don't have to get into that here. But that hit was like, there's no place in hockey for a hit like that. Like, fucking Cogliano got his neck, or yeah, his neck broken. That that kind of stuff should have stayed like, with Bobby Clark back in the Summit series, right? Series. That's the kind of stuff that needs to stay in the seventies, you know. You know, at least Clark was different. Clark looked you in the face and then broke your ankle with a stick. He didn't hit you from behind. 
Well, it's like that the hit on camp that I was talking about. Anytime you get somebody in a dangerous position, like if you're serious about getting these things out of the NHL, then you got to penalize people for it. Like clean hit or not, you need to take a look at was it in a, a position where somebody was not paying attention or in a vulnerable position and it's an intent to, intent to injure. Like it's it's insane. But okay, let's talk about something else positive from this series. Um, I mentioned David Camp, Camp and Lafferty and Achari. I know Camp has been here, but the uh, that line and the addition of Lafferty and Achari this year, and uh, at the the deadline, the depth was unbelievable. I mean, we watched Engvall and Mikheyev and all these rotations of guys go through the bottom and. It was never really it. We were always talking about what's the identity. And this fourth line figured it out. It was, we're going to keep the puck in the offensive end. We're going to be annoying as hell. Someone is going to clock you if you're not paying attention. And uh, someone else could score. And I really love that they figured out an identity and a game plan for what they're supposed to do when they're out there. And damn, they were good at it. Yeah, I I love Camp. I was hoping for a Camp goal, honestly, especially after the huge hit on him. I was hoping for some redemption. Um, Lafferty's speed was clearly utilized in a great way in the series compared to how he wasn't as effective in the Tampa series. I don't know, guys. <laughs> we're not going to see many of these names later on. I know we're not talking about that today, but I applaud them. And also Morgan Riley, right? yeah like am i the only one here who isn't upset probably not but go ahead with with, like the big boys everybody's been shitting on matthews and marner and Tavares and everyone okay marner didn't look his superstar selkie trophy you know almost 100 point self but he picked it up for this last game last night. Yes, he still had a couple mistakes. You can tell the guy has the weight of the entire city on his shoulders. But yep. he he was trying. He calmed himself down. He made some plays. Matthews, yes, he didn't score 60 this year. I was an idiot who said he was going to score 70 when we started the season. Like, I'll mm. call myself out on it. But he had hit, like, this is his Iserman. He'll probably never score 60 again. And I'm okay with that if he plays like he did this year. I don't care, like, mm-hmm. you can't look at how he was playing his complete commitment to a full 200-foot game, shot blocking, hitting, face-offs, everything, and tell me that he's a worse player now. Like, 100%, I am so impressed and so proud to be able to say that this is the team I cheer for. Like, you've you've touched on Camp, you've touched on Riley, Achari played great, I we're not touching into contracts who's gone or that, but God damn, I hope he's back. Shen looked like the guy we drafted first round of 2008. Like he looked incredible. Like McCabe, who is sticking around looked fantastic. All series outside of a couple. Fantastic. Would be the word I would use, but a couple defensive thingies, a couple turnovers, but offensively he really, I'm going to here. let me rephrase. Let's just that. say you His can tell play, he was a Buffalo Sabre. You could, yes. you could tell he really, really wanted to win. And I think that yes. was what I'm trying to say here. His yeah. play, he, his attitude and his drive was unbelievable. And then I, I got a couple more things here. Um, Sammy was great for us. 
Like, nobody can say he wasn't. I think maybe something happened in the Tampa series because he he was doing things this whole series that we haven't seen him do for most of the regular season. But when you did see him do it in the regular season, not long after that, he missed a couple games. When, yep. when he's not feeling 100%, he tends to swim a little bit, tends to over-rotate when he's going side to side. So something was definitely nagging him for a little while. Um, Joseph Wall, we've touched on him a lot. Like that, I'm so happy that he was able to stay healthy and put together a, a decent run this year, even though he started hurt, got healthy, and, and had some great numbers. Like The kid's got a bright future. Maybe a full summer having this experience under his belt and not nursing injuries, being able to actually train like look out for him next year. Um, JT's not dead for everybody who thinks that he is like, yeah, he was never the fastest skater to begin with, but you don't have to be right. Like w- when you're not the fastest in the world, then it, it, it doesn't really, you don't really slow down. You just kind of stay the same. Like at all up, up and down the entire roster. I, I, there's so many good things I can say. And this last one here is for Darty. Justin Hole actually played a half season. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was about to say, you know what? I was so happy that Brody got that last fucking penalty because I was, I was like, for a second there, I thought when I, I don't know, in my head, I wasn't, I was, I was at the gym, so I was kind of back and forth like watching. And then for a second there, I was like, oh fuck, is that gonna be Justin Hall? Is it gonna be Justin Hall? And it was Brody. I was like, thank God it's Brody. <laughs> but you know what? Like, Hall was on the ice for the game for the series winning goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? He, but no, he 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 played oh, like. Go for it, go for it, Beaner. No, I, I was just gonna say like, he's not perfect. He's not Bobby no. Orr. He's not Kale McCarr. But he did play a good game, and someone I've forgotten to mention who d- definitely deserves it. The last two games of this series, does it look like we might have Lily back? Yeah. Oh, I was waiting for you to say Timothy Lilligren. He was so good. Like. The, the smart pinches to keep plays alive or to drive the offense and nothing stupid on the back end in his own zone. Like, so many positives to come out of this. And and like I said, and I'll, I'll say it all friggin' summer long, I'm so proud of how they, they didn't just bow out. Because we've seen it. And it's been the laughing stock. Like, oh, the Leafs have no heart. They just, you know, bowed out and everybody walked all over them. They didn't. They didn't go down without a fight. They just, they got goalied. Keep your head. O'Reilly looked like a skeleton out there at some point. Yeah. Like he looked like he was literally using the last vial of quintessence to stay on the ice. Like, like you know, when your character you're playing a video game, you're just holding the run button on your character, and eventually they give up. They're like, yo, I can't fucking run anymore. Like he was like he he looked like he had completely run out of gas, but he was still like, he's like, you know what? Just 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 siphon some fuel out of somebody else, put that in the tank and let's go. Like it was just cool to see like, yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was trying he was, he was giving every last bit of himself for this team. And I don't know if we're going to like, we said it last year and I said it on my last Twitter escapade that like, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I don't know what we mean by run it back, but I think we can all agree that in a way we have to essentially run it back as well. Like, I think what that means for us now is keep as much of what we had, uh, I guess, speaking of next year, what we have this year going into next year. I think we're all aware that it's 
impossible to keep things exactly the same and we don't necessarily want to but it's still the essence of what we have we would like to continue that for next year like that's what i'm saying when i say run it back i don't mean do everything you can to keep the core four necessarily but more so that if you can great but keep the essence of this team alive because there is something good here i know it it feels like sometimes it's just a lot of crap and all oh, they didn't do it they didn't get past this blah 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 blah. but i feel like there is there's still something really really good i said we basically played what like 80 minutes of hockey and in that time like yeah it sucked that we lost in game five boohoo all this like we could have won the first three games whatever but did they give out the list of like injuries yet like have they it would be nice if they haven't already because we i was just gonna say we're probably gonna find out that ryan o'reilly's got like three broken ribs or something he was or austin matthews even i feel like austin matthews had injury coming into the thing not this i feel like he came into came into the playoffs with an injury and like people are talking like this guy's lost it but i said this team was pretty we had a monster of of a week before coming into the playoffs and then we go against tampa who yeah fuck we have to play tampa again and then you know this Florida team steam roll, rolls us a team that again we did not ex- we, we we were we were we would we wanted Boston because that's the history we want to finally be, be, be Boston we didn't expect Florida to be this dynamo especially after how crazy things were last year with with how they had to make the changes with Chick Chuck right yeah mm-hmm. honestly I didn't even think Florida was going to squeak their way into the playoffs and now that they've taken down Boston and the Leafs I'm like ah, whatever I don't know what's it, going on anymore all Pittsburgh had to do was beat Chicago or Columbus in the last two games of the season, and they were in instead of the Panthers. Oh my god. This is Pittsburgh's Chicago fault. or Columbus. Guys, they're both trying to lose. How did you fuck that? A up, goddamn bro? Cole Harbor kid did, does it again. Just <laughs> fucking Sidney Crosby, come on. I, I totally agree Lily has improved, but unfortunately last game he's the guy, only guy with a minus two. He was oh. also the reason behind this Verhage goal, guys. Unfortunately, he can't control a bouncing puck, and Duclair takes it from him. Both D are watching Duclair, have no idea Verhage's wide freaking open and gets the one-timer in. Like, just... Uh, but the core, you guys are absolutely right. The hits, like, Matthews tying Achari with nine hits last night. Eight shots on goal Holy for Matthews. Shit. what? JT had seven shots. Marner had five shots and seven hits. Um, not even Luke Shin was comparable in, in this case. So when I mentioned physicality earlier, I meant like I was expecting maybe a couple fights from Shin or something like or I don't know, just something more. I felt like the Leafs could have done more. I don't. I know yeah. we led and hit Achari, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. Something was missing for me. You know, I've I've seen a couple people question that because. The whole concept of bringing Shen in was we got this grid on the back end guy who's going to force people out. You know, he'll fight you if you take advantage of your stars. But when it came down to it, if if he plays that well over the course of an 82-game season, he's a fucking Norris finalist. Like, I don't think that's that far of a stretch. Like, he played out of his mind these playoffs. And the Leafs couldn't afford for him to be sitting in the penalty box for five minutes. 
That's what I was going to say is like, I honestly, I get it. But the I think the point of Shen being there is to scare people out of trying to fight anybody because you don't want to lose anyone on this team for five minutes, especially when you're running 11 and seven. Like it's not built in a way to take someone off the ice. You're trying to cycle through your defense. So everybody is, you know, somewhat rested, even though I know they were playing Brody and, and Riley like crazy because Riley was on fire. But the whole point is that you're you're trying to keep people out of the box, especially your forwards, because you're short one. So, you know, if someone someone takes a fighting call, you're you're down to 10 forwards on the ice. Like that's really going to hurt you in the long run. Now, I don't think we've touched on it really is. Is there enough being said about the fact that maybe Riley had the freedom to to be the player that we all have wanted him to be for a decade because of Shen? They, like they were paired together for the most part. Look at Eric Carlson, his prime, prime years in Ottawa when he was legitimately the best player in the league, like not defenseman, best player. His defense partner that entire time, if I'm not mistaken, was Mark Mathot. Who, well, Eric Carlson was the best player in the league for the first like two months of this season. <laughs> but l- let me finish. Mark Mathot, his hockey takes are garbage. Terrible. But as a defenseman, as a defenseman, he was a good shutdown defenseman. So if you have someone who has the offensive knowledge, the skill, the speed that Riley does, and I'm not saying Riley is comparable to Carlson when he was, you know, a Norris candidate every year, but Riley's offensive side for a defenseman in the NHL is up there with a lot of other guys. He just doesn't get the credit for it. You put him with someone like Shen, we all know, well, clearly we didn't know what we were going to get from Shen because he exceeded everyone's expectations, but you know, he's not going to do anything stupid. We're not going to be talking about a play that Shen did. Like we talk about in Darty's case, Brody, in my case, Justin Hall, like, right. (laughs) It's it's not going to happen. So Riley knows every shift he's going out there with a player like that. He can just do his thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Riley hasn't had a partner. Like, everybody's talked about this for years on end. Like, they have not found anyone since fucking Ron Hainsey to be beside Riley. And, I mean, really, Shen is a better Ron Hainsey. So it makes sense that this is where he's thriving, is having a shutdown pair. So, yeah, I 100% agree with you that if if they can keep Shen around, which doesn't seem outlandish to me to, to get him on a close-to-league-min contract, and to stick him on the first pair or second or whatever you want to do with Riley. I know they've been kind of flipping around where he's playing. and The pairs don't really matter number-wise. But if you can stick Shen with him, I think that's going to be great for this guy. Like, build on what's worked. And yeah, I think him and Brody play well together too, and that's a, a good shutdown pair. But uh, look, the guy didn't have a great season playing with Brody, so let's do it. For me personally, uh, Morgan Riley is the MVP of the Leafs playoffs. Um, He's second on the team in points, 12 points in 11 games, uh, matching his regular season total in goals. Uh, Mitch Marner had 14 points in 11 games, Matthews 11, Nylander 10. Like Riley just went up to another level and I'm so glad he did so people can shut up about the new contract. This guy just got paid. He's going to be a Leaf forever i hope uh he's gonna be a career leaf and he makes more than nylander right he's technically the the core four Uh so for now 
but at the moment, and I'm glad that he stepped up, longest tenured leave. You can tell this guy is angry, and he played freaking awesome. Yeah, he did. And the only thing that the only thing that I'm I'm trying to take with a grain of salt is the the point totals because that game two against Tampa really skewed a lot of people's numbers because after that is where the top fours numbers kind of started to dip as offensively and where we started to see everybody else kind of pick up the slack. So as much as like everybody was fantastic and played a great game, it was just, it was that little, that finish that, that they couldn't pull off. That uh, was the deciding thing. Anyway, I've already said that, but, mm-hmm. but like, everybody always says, oh, the Leafs have the skill. The Leafs have the skill. They don't have the depth. But now this year, when the skill was shut down and our depth starts scoring, everybody's complaining about the skill. Like, if the guys didn't show up, like, if they played the entire playoffs, like game three of this series, absolutely. Put a bag on my head, I'll join everybody else. Like, get rid of the door. But they showed up. They like they did. They and did. I will argue that till I'm blue in the face all summer long. I don't care. Was Dubas's big? Here's a question okay. for all of you. Do you think that Dubas's biggest mistake was with Rasmus Sandin? Because I believe that he could have been a huge factor in, and especially in this series. Um, you know what? Looking back, I of all the trades this year, I think that's the one that maybe. That was a future trade, and I think that if he again, some things need to be just I don't know. Like I, I I truly believe that if yeah, we probably would have lost Sandine and lost some money or whatever, lost the opportunity for next year. But I think if we had kept Sandine, I think he's the kind of guy like that we we could have that we 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 said we made it through the first series, but I think that that defensive depth, uh, the skill. And he, Sandy's got grit. We saw how much grit he had uh, throughout the regular season. I, you know, especially because we didn't really optimize Gustafson when we picked him up. We never used them. I know this because fucking Dubas screwed me in fantasy this year. Gustafson was crazy when Carl was out, <laughs> and then uh, they trade tr- trade him to the Leafs, and then I, I had to fucking send him away. I had to <laughs> so so we didn't really optimize him to see how good he could have been. And yeah, he got a couple chances, whatever. Didn't really. I don't think they were they were marginal at best. I I truly believe I think that was a big screw up for for Dubis. That it could have been something small, maybe pushed us to six games. I don't know. See, and for anybody who maybe hasn't listened to all of our episodes, like you guys can can vouch for me. I loved Sandman. Oh like, yeah, I I have been big fans of him and Lily f- since they were drafted. So that trade really stung me, but. <sighs> As much as I hate to say it, he had fallen out of favor with with the team, and we've touched on it before. Dubis respects his players, and if it's clear they're not going to get a chance, he's going to find them a place that will give them a chance. And I think that goes a long way with regards to negotiating contracts, signing free agents, you name it. Like, look at the bigger picture here. Timmins came in, played great, signed an extension. Timmins has a little bit more size maybe a higher ceiling than Sandman and is going to be in the plans at least for the next year, for sure, right? Probably takes Hall's roster spot. 
I know we're not getting too far into that, but probably takes Hall's pretty high on Timmons. I'm surprised to say that surprised hearing you say that his ceiling could be higher than, but that's what I mean by this was a futures move, right? Like that at the end of the day, like we're talking about today, we're talking about the now we're talking about the uh, game five, you know, potentially game six. And it's like, yeah, like Dubas did this as a futures move. And I think like for the now, kind of fucked us right like again who knows like you know game six you the maybe they win game six anything happens right like it's just it's one of those things that i feel like that additional depth from what we saw from sandine in the regular season could have been maybe some of the some of those first three games were you know pretty close right it wasn't like a blowout like seven two like in the tampa series like you know you, you have a you, ha- you have a different look defensively and maybe maybe some of those uh, Florida goals get, uh, you know, they, they don't see the back of the net. I don't know. So you're saying that we should have gone 10 and eight. Like, like really, I'm not, I'm not trying to be an ass. Like we went 11 and seven and Timmons didn't get a shot. Right. Gustafson was still scratched for this last game. Like I, I see what you're saying, but he wasn't going to crack. The well, roster. you move, you, you I think if you have Sandy, then maybe you move off of like Hall, I don't know, right? Or Brody. No. It seems like they were preparing for people to get hurt and nobody got hurt. That's all. Yeah. Like, so it's it's a little bit of everything. You want to do right by the player. He clearly wasn't going to get his shot. And in an intense playoff situation, injuries come up, you probably trust Gus a little more than Sandman. Now... If you're looking futures, Topi Niemela, right? Yet again, I know we're, we're going to get into all, all prospects and all that, but like he's on the Marlies roster right now for the playoffs after coming over within when his season in Finland ended. And he's got four points in six games already. Right? So if, if Sandman's not cracking the roster this year and you already have Tim and Sign for next year, Niemela comes in. Sandman might not even crack the roster next year. It, at, at, asset management, right? You got Gustafson for injury insurance for the playoffs this year, and you got a first round pick out of it. Yeah, the first round pick is the one that you know. If that shapes into anything, then I think it's a win of a trade. But that that could potentially get you out of Murray's contract if you want to go that route. Yep. That well, we're talking about futures too. Okay. Before we end off on this, um, Matt Matthew Nyes. All right. I don't know if you guys, because I kind of jumped in later. I don't know how you guys. Uh, uh, have you brought him up at all uh, too much or said anything or, or no, but I think it's so. about damn time that we, you know, if we're going to end this game uh, on the topic of this game and, and you know, whatnot, I think we need to put a little exclamation point on Ma- Matthew Nyes. Uh, I want to apologize. I did not expect him to be nearly as uh, potent uh, coming in. I, I didn't doubt his skill. I just didn't think that he would come in and become an absolute dynamo right away. And, Holy cow, this guy, Me I too. said, when we talk, you know, talking about running it back, uh, if we did have to lose anybody, um, thank God for Matthew Nyes, all right? <laughs> like, holy cow, this is exactly like, this is more than we could ask for. He, he, I said he came in, I didn't, I was worried he wouldn't come in like Kale McCarr, you know, and just take over the scene and be, you know, an absolute smoke show. But obviously he is like in his own way, you know, a young guy jumps into the team and turns out to be a huge deciding factor in, in almost every game he played. So, you know, shout out to him. And I, you know, I look forward to our new Matthew Nye's overlord. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, the fact that the one of the biggest question marks was, you know, who's going to play on left wing in the first line? And, you know, people were teasing like, oh, it's going to be Matthew Nyes. And, we're, you know, I think the sentiment was kind of the same for a lot of us. Like you said, Darty, is, you know, it, hype is one thing, but to step into the NHL and be effective is another. And, oh, my God, like as soon as this guy's healthy again, I'm going to be right out of game. Beaner. Two things. One, people were making fun of us for even suggesting Matthew Nyes. Like other fan bases were ripping on yeah. the Leafs, like, oh, you know, of course you think your prospect's going to come in and save your season, yada, yada, yada. Fuck you guys. Because <laughs> not, like, we, we were trying to temper expectations, but he exceeded all of them. Yes, it could have been just, you know, a, a long season. His team made the, fi- like the final and the Frozen Four. Maybe he was riding all of that and, and he has a little bit of a setback. That could, you know, that's to be expected. Not that I think it's going to happen. But the other thing is, like, we went the entire season without one of our other prime prospects, Nikki Bobby. Oh, my God. Right. Right? Like, this kid's coming back. He's still signed for at least the next year, and he's only an RFA after that. Like, there is still so much promise here. You take what all these guys did this year, what they learned, that how much, you know, their give a rip meter showed when everybody rips on them for it all the time. And they bring that to the locker room next year. Like it, it's, I know we're going to have a, a end of a full end of season and preview for next season, summer free agency, blah, blah, blah. But like, I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm so much, I'm in such a better mindset this year after this loss than I was last year. Because yeah. dis- despite the fact that they outplayed Tampa in pretty much every single game last year, they lost. And when it came to this year, we joked about it a couple times, or I know I did, that in the Tampa series this year, the Leafs maybe put together a full 20 minutes that was good, and they still came out with a series win. Right? Like Because that's what you have to do sometimes. And then it was the complete opposite this series. The first and yeah. second games, the Leafs played very, very well for 90% of those games. Just stupid turnovers and mistakes, and the Panthers capitalized. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, to bring this over to a positive, Tampa Bay Lightning back-to-back champs. Our friend over at Inside the Rank, writer for Tampa Bay Lightning, sent us a lovely message. Uh, if you're looking for something positive, Leafs Light Night, I can truly say you got out of the first round and had to beat the three-time Eastern Conference champs to do so. That's impressive, no matter how you slice it. Honestly, as much as I hated it happening, you literally had two third-period comebacks in that series and got the goals that needed to win. And being the three-time Eastern Conference champs to break the curse of never getting out of the first round is very impressive. Nobody can take that away from you. Faced a very hot Florida team, probably the hottest in the playoffs outside of maybe Carolina, and avoided a sweep and put yourselves in position to win Game 5. Bobrovsky just was the best he's been since 2019 with Columbus. Thank you so much. That is perfect. Yeah. That's uh, no much respect. Um, I know sometimes it can get a little heated talking with our colleagues because we're all passionate fans. But at the end oh, of the day, we never get heated with them. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> at the end of the day, we all respect one another. And, you know, the passion is strong. You can't deny our passion here. So uh, really appreciate that message. And yeah, uh Let's just jump into all these positives. Uh, one thing I want to bring up quickly, you know, 
all of our Maple Leaf organizations, the other two affiliates, they are also in the playoffs, guys, uh, going pretty far, and um, they deserve our support and um, everything that goes with that, right? Uh, Tamor Hassan uh, reached out on Twitter stating, stating all of this stuff, and like it's true. The Growlers are doing awesome. The Marlies are in the North uh, finals and man like these are future Leafs um, some guys who've already played with the big club and it's exciting to see all three teams in the playoffs this year some of these guys have so much of the passion shout out Joey Ferg for the shirt <laughs> like Gogolev for the Growlers he was part of the trade I think it was to the Avalanche this year that the Leafs had yep and he told he them he no. wasn't going to play for them to send him back to Newfoundland. <laughs> Which, now that I'm here, I don't know what he was talking about, but... <laughs> Some well. other Colorado. Sorry. <laughs> Yo, I got a question um, <laughs> for you guys, though. Another question here. Because um, we really, including myself, complained, complained, complained a lot about this, but I think I'm going to bite my tongue more this, this year is... Is the regular season bullshit? Like, do I, do I, like, I'm, here's my opinion on this. Then you guys can all answer uh, to the question that the regular, is the regular season bullshit? Because like, I kind of just want to squeak, squeak in at this point. I I don't, I don't, I don't want to win a, you know, president's trophy. I don't want to, you know, have a great season. I want to just barely get in and then screw everybody over like these Panthers did. Like that honestly seems more of a fun, fun thing to do than, than what you know trying hard and actually you know working at things during the regular season <laughs> uh i know beaner shaking his head but darty i had the same sentiment before we hopped on i was like you know what like i really as much as we just had two historic seasons we set the records great the records have been set let's focus on really just the playoffs like building a team that's going to get through the playoffs building a mentality that's going to get through the playoffs like focusing on who your matchup's going to be you know instead of being all the way at the top and and being stuck there and okay well we made it let's just let's just cruise because i don't think it's great for the team's mentality to be set in stone three months into the season oh we know who we're playing and we know we're in the playoffs like i know there are advantages to that, but this team has shown that being comfortable is not a good thing. We talked about, look, they stayed in a hotel while they were in Toronto to make themselves have that road battle mentality. Okay. If you are sitting, hey, come on, Justin, don't, I have a point here. If you are constantly battling all season to maintain a playoff spot and know that it's not set at any point until that season is over and you've carried that into the playoffs, I think you're going to have a totally different mentality from the team than what we've seen the last couple of years where they're sitting comfortable from basically December, January on. So first off, the the hotel thing, that is something that has been happening for decades. There are so many teams that have done that. Yeah, but the reason is because comfort is a bad thing for competitiveness. And not, I'm saying... Not that necessarily if you, just that. If you, it, it takes away the distraction. Don't spoil us with the truth, Bean. <laughs> if you're at home... Yeah, but how many distractions this come is up my when, pro- you're, this is my, when you're staring? How many distractions the are there when you're you're sitting for four months making notes on the Tampa Bay Lightning because that's the only thing that you can you can look to? They, they didn't know who they were going to play in the second round. They spent months focused on how do we beat the Lightning, and then they got to Florida and went, "Oh fuck!" 
we don't have any notes on this because we've been studying for and you got to think about it they got a guy who did that right they got o'reilly that's what happened when he won um we've lost the teams clearly that this has happened to right this montreal was not expected to go as far as they did they didn't win the cup but still they went to the finals um uh currently the Panthers, right? God forbid they make it to the fucking finals, right? So there's there's definitely some truth. Uh, this stupid question is, is the regular season complete bullshit, and is it better just to squeak in? You know, <laughs> I don't know. The President's Trophy curse is the best example of that. Look, the Bruins are out in the first round. Okay, I'm not also... saying that... Sorry, Steph. I'm not saying that they need oh. to go out and win the President's Trophy, but like we touched on earlier, and it shouldn't be this way, but the Leafs have to be held to a higher standard according to everybody else. I would much rather people be questioning what's going to happen in the playoffs all season as we go and the team proves that they can be... like It's one thing for the Panthers to be hot like this right now, but I felt a lot more comfortable going into all these games knowing that, hey, the Leafs have played a certain way for 82 games, and they can do it again, and if they get to that, that way of playing, they can win. Whereas if it's, hey, they played like garbage most of the year and they just squeaked in, I don't think they're going to do this. I'm not asking them to play like garbage for the year. I'm saying that knowing that you're set in stone in the playoffs from, you know, 30 some odd games into the season. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that this is the Bedard year and there were teams that were not trying to win. And the Atlantic division is a little strange. But I don't think it did them favors being comfortable all year. I like the idea of the team having a little bit of of uncertainty as to who they're playing, as to what the team's going to look like. You know, I I think having a bit more drive and it, I don't know. I just think it's a different kind of mentality that that would benefit a team that has been kind of running the same thing for a couple of years. And that's we're really good in the regular season. We're probably going to play Tampa. And then we'll see what happens from there. Just to go back to the regular season, um, all three uh, nominations for the Vesna Trophy are out in the first round. Uh, Ilya Sorokin, Connor Hellebuck, and Linus Allmark. So, like, obviously there's pros to the regular season and you have to work your way to get into the playoffs. But I agree with you, Roscoe, here where it sucks knowing your opponent since fucking Christmas or end of November. And right. it's like... Like and then the whole year you're you're listening to the team. We know what we can do. We know we can apply. Like like I don't know. It just I'm glad they beat Tampa. Of course they should have did it in a smoother fashion. In my opinion, like it came really freaking close many times. Like it, it was a lot of some luck there, honestly. And but we hyped it the team up. Uh, they can close it out. This is a different team. I still believe this. Just, man, the narrative changes so instantaneously. If a couple bounces go our way, we'd look like freaking geniuses. Unfortunately, it didn't go our way, and it's like doomsday for some people. Uh, it's look, And I know we're not trying to sound like we're against positive reinforcement, and, you know, we're like the kind of managers that need to keep knocking people down to get better results out of them. It's just, it's... It's all in the mentality. It's an 82-game season, and I, th- I feel like at any point in that season, and we saw it from the team a couple times where they were not playing on top of their game because they went on a streak, everybody was at the top, and, and they started coasting, and then it would bite them in the ass, and they would have to crawl their way back out of it. You know, it's it, it's the way that this team operates. It's we're the best until we're not, 
and then we're the best until we're not. And I feel like any other structure of like, you know, I'm not saying fighting for a wild card spot, but like even where Tampa was at, where it's, you know, you're in third place like that. I feel like that would just be so much better. And I, I know I'm, I'm getting into like fucking splitting hairs on the weirdest thing, but I, it's we brought it up. So thanks, Darty. Go back to you. <laughs> do, do you? Well, I got another question for you. Do you believe that there are people who are playoff performers, like the difference between regular season players and playoff players, right? Because in my head, I, I'd rather lose a few more games in the regular season and keep a couple guys who are purely playoff performers. Because I've felt ever since I watched Washington with Smith Pelly, who has not, who I don't think he's played an NHL game well over a year now. Um, I'm pretty sure he had more goals than Austin Matthews for quite a few seasons in the playoffs. Uh, ever since I saw his a phenomenal performance in the playoffs, it made me think that there's definitely some people you want on your team who are going to screw you in the regular season. However, if you can make it to the playoffs, you're going to want to have like this. It's just, it's weird to say, but maybe Dubis needs to put a little bit of focus too on guys who might not necessarily get us there in the regular season, but will just lights out in the playoffs i don't know there's 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 got it there, we're seeing it you're uh you're cory perry's of the league i get it i just i think it's hard to predict who those people are going to be like uh, there's people that just turn the switch on when playoffs come around and look we didn't if did you think morgan riley was going to turn that on when we got here like i, I think it, it's so hard to to say oh we're just going to collect a bunch of guys that suck in the regular season but you know they have the drive to win i think it's going to be more about having more guys not want to lose because I feel like that's what this team struggled with um, years past is not hating losing. It's like, you know, call back to Shorzy, you know, they don't hate losing enough. And that was uh, something that changed. And, and that was kind of the deciding factor in the Tampa series was they got outplayed, but they didn't want to fucking lose. So they didn't. Yeah, no, you're, and you're right with that. Like, as you were saying that Darty, the first name that popped into my head was Claude Lemieux. Because he was, like, he was your 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 bunting, your achari, like he was hard nosed, like, good player, but he was never going to be your superstar. But the guys want a fucking con Smythe for MVP of the playoffs. Like more recent history, Justin Williams. Oh, Mister Game good, Seven, like, Coburg, good, let's go, hometown hero. I, I'm not saying he wasn't a good player. Definitely deserved to be in the NHL. But I don't think anybody could have ever looked at him and said, yeah, he's going to win an MVP one day. And he and did. three Stanley Cups, baby. Like, there are just some players who are like that, which is fine. But even though there are players like that, they don't always win. Morgan Riley would have been the Conn Smythe winner. In my opinion. <laughs> No, I, 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 if it got to that point, I think it would have been Joseph Wall. Oh, maybe, yeah. Damn. Oh, man. Trivia question. Who did Justin Williams win the cup with? Carolina and the Kings. Yeah. There you go. You'd know it. Did you say, God damn it? No, I said, I said you'd God know damn it. it. Beaner always um, gets them right. Okay. God damn, Beaner. So... <laughs> Not always. Uh, this has been a, a weird year for me. You guys have stumped me a couple times. Well, uh, got a shout out to uh, the Vegas Fever podcast, the only one of the uh, network of Inside the Rink that is still in the playoffs. So the rest of us are all now eliminated. I thought you were going to say that, that the only one that I've gotten to an argument with. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think it was that well, bad, right? Like, was, time... it, was it? Did it really uh, get that heated, Beaner? Like, were you crying at night because what? Because of what happened? I felt like I felt like it was pretty. You know, it got a little, it got a little gritty, but you know, they were telling us to keep it down. <laughs> hey, you fellas, keep it in line. Don't be fighting between the pods. Yeah, and I saw you doing it again with the the We Want Florida shirt. Calm it down, guys. <laughs> well, well, guys, like, I I think I even said when you know when the Leafs were when they advanced, I think I even said in that episode that we did, I would prefer Boston. You did. Like people would call me stupid for that. I don't care. I would have rather slay that demon. Now we just created a new one, right? With that stupid turtle Chuck. (laughs) (laughs) And Radko Gudis, who pretty much has a baby's chin. He has the only reason he has a beard is so he doesn't show off his, his, his very soft and very double chin. All right. Like good riddance. Worse hairline (laughs) than Austin Matthews. (laughs) Okay. All right, I got to run through these quick. Positive takeaways. We're going to run through. I'm going to see how many I can get through here. Kilgore, Ken, Wall, of course, Joseph Wall. Uh, Holly Toronto, I've met so many incredible people this season. I feel extremely lucky because of that. Fantastic. Chris from Etobicoke, Nyes is going to be a stud. Uh, the previous love I had for Shen reemerged. Riley is a beast god. Wall looked great. Um, McKay in Newfoundland looks great. And Shalgren is not too shabby either. The net is secure. Right? Yeah. Great, great positive. Future looks good. Conrad Jack, Jacko Media. uh, Every deadline addition contributed massively. The team got past the first round, which was incredible to witness. The future is bright for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Deadline, honestly, best deadline the Leafs have had in recent history. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Pat Pat Hurdle, learning to win takes time and takes practice. They finally won, even if it was just a little. They know what it feels like now. The roster is moving more towards being the kind of gritty roster you need in the playoffs. Willie was good. Sammy and Wall, too. Riley was even better. The sentiment around is just Riley and the goaltending, which is, you know, really not the things that you thought were going to be standout because we, again, Riley had a pretty mediocre season, and all we said about goaltending was it's got to be over 900. That's all we're asking for. We don't need anything flashy. And look what we got. Ovi and McKinnon, the only time they made it past the the, fir- the second round, they both won the cup. And it took time. It took 12 years for Ovi. It took eight for McKinnon. And even Stamkos, it took 12 years for him. So it, it takes time. Johnny. Yeah. Johnny, you killed me with that when you said over 900. I was just, it made me think of that stupid Dragon Ball Z meme. It's like, John, Johnny, what should our goaltending be about goaltending power level be? It's over 900. Over 900. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's an old internet reference. Uh, Adam Coburn, meeting some really pretty awesome people. <laughs> meeting some really freaking awesome people uh fellow leaf fans who i now consider great friends some of the very best yeah uh the amount of people that we've met through twitter has just been fantastic i mean i've talked about it i love my childhood friends they're all bandwagon leaf fans when the playoffs start i don't have a circle of people so i mean the group of you guys is have just i mean i love y'all that's yeah, true Feelings it's definitely the mutual yeah 
you guys fill the hole in my heart, like I said on Discord, that w- was there before. Like uh, this community and meeting everyone this year specifically, even at the watch parties and, you know, getting to see people in person, online, talking daily. Oh, my God. It's something I've never could even imagine. So thanks, guys, honestly. no. Uh, Brad, for me, it's the friends I made along the way. So many of you on here I'd happily share a beer with and watch games with. And the coolest moment was meeting Austin's family outside Scotiabank Arena in round nice. one. And it was a photo of him with Austin Matthews' parents, which is... Hold on, so- hold on to that thought nice. for one second. Beaner, early in the episode, you said that you didn't think that Austin Matthews was going to ever achieve a 60-goal season again. And I'm here to tell you right now, when you said 70 goals, he is getting those 70 goals because I saw the look in his mother's eyes. And I'm telling you right now that that is a man who loves his mom. That is a mom who loves her son. And he is going to get 70 goddamn goals because of what happened this year. Because of what happened against Florida. Mark my words, 70 goals. Yes. Oh, Marty from Keswick with the interrupted connection. We're going to love it. But we got most of that. Call back anytime. Just get a better connection. Yeah. New phone plan. Uh, easy life. 79. Aaron, number one. Joseph Wall, number two. Matthew Knives, number three. We know we have what it takes to close out a series. And number four, we can improve at being more responsive to change. Love it. Pablo Mariz. Uh, Nylander is taking another huge step. Yes, fantastic. Ryan Willie, shout out for the team finally winning a round and moving past that demon. Nice immediate impact on the team. He's going to be great next season. And the emergence of Joseph Wall, he's one half of the goalie tandem next year. For me, being more active on here and finding this community. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Yeah. Oh, love that. And Nylander guys, uh, already in Sweden, left last night, going to play for the international team there. Uh, been texting his brother and Rasmus Sandin, joining them on the team. So uh, he's not going to stop. I just hope uh, the play continues and it uh, he shows his skills uh, and brings that back to Toronto. <laughs> why is my why is Babcock trending on Twitter right now? Because rumor is Me he's too. going to New York. Oh my god. Okay, deep fried at uh, Lavier Jamie positive. There's changes coming. Oh, come on. That's not a Alex Gardner. They finally advanced the second round in 19 years, of course. Uh, not reading that one. Um, <laughs> Sammy and, <laughs> and Wall and the O'Reilly Achari trade. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And from down under, Serwa. Uh, the trade deadline working for us. We have picked up some great men. Hopefully, GM Kyle Dubas can figure out who, uh, how to retain. Sammy and Wall being an amazing one-two goalie tandem. AM34 changing his game to be a better, well-rounded player. And Mitch Marner being the best sidekick for any center. Love it. Love it. Optimism in this day and age at Steve Steele 23, Joseph Wall, and Matthew Nyes. That is very overwhelmingly what everybody is saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't expect it uh, from Matthew Nyes anyway. Uh, always had belief in the brick wall, Joseph Wall. He is our wonder wall after all. And <laughs> it's going to continue, guys. Like his future, his future is so bright. His numbers don't lie. Um, honestly, 927 with the Marlies, winning 16 out of 21 games. Like, come on here. We, I, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, go Joseph oh, yeah. Wall. Shazi at Michael US 68 wall is becoming that guy. 
Uh, Mikey D, the real Stanley Cup was the friendships and memories made along the way. Get the fuck out of here, Mikey. <laughs> Aww. Oh, the real Stanley Cup was the friendships. Get out of here. That's just the kind of guy he is. He's oh, just man. happy-go-lucky. <laughs> Appreciate you. It's that line, the the real blank was the friendships we made along the way, just kills me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Maple Leaf fan, uh, Riley is back. He looked rough this year, but in the playoffs, he was dynamite. Nice has a future and a cheap one for now on an ELC. And is not <laughs> washed up. He played great. I'd sign him again. Wall is looking very promising. He makes the team next year. Love it. Yes. Uh, next one, and I got to wrap a shout out in here. Mike the Fanatic, Nathan Bondi, and Josh Anselmo um, covered every single game, pregame and postgame, 82 plus the playoffs this year like guys congratulations that was a massive feat um holy shit guys unbelievable work and these guys it's it's very appreciated by us because you know all of your writing also draws people to the show and vice versa so you know we can't exist without each other so very much appreciated and uh looking forward to what you guys bring next year And same with Katie and Jeremy. Um, They're also writers for the team. Jeremy focusing on the Marlies. But um, next year, bigger and brighter things, guys. Like, uh, it's only going up from here. 100%. And uh, we'll wrap them into the team as well as everything gets set for Season 3, which officially kicks off uh, once the draft starts. So end of June, beginning of July, we'll uh, we'll round this off. End of Season 2, beginning of Season 3. And uh, make some changes, you know. So um, thoughts from Mike the Fanatic going on this journey with you folks. As far as the team goes, Matthew Nyes is a player. Joseph yep. Wall is a the starting goalie who's been homegrown that we've been begging for. Morgan Riley is the captain of this team and he is back. 88 is a gamer and rocks. Yep. Everybody feels the same way and I really love it. Mm-hmm. Next one. Run it back forever at TML fan and van. Shout out, buddy. Winning round one was truly magical. Matt Nyes moves the needle. Luke Shen's return was amazing. I'm looking forward to learning from this year and moving into next year. Me too. By the way, Marty texted me. He says hi to everyone. Hi, Marty. Hey, Marty. (laughs) Uh, We'll uh, we'll call him in the next one because we're so over time on this one already. Um, Instead of giving up when the going got tough, they fought as hard as they could. I think no matter what, being part of Leafs Nation will always be an emotional roller coaster. That is from Jenna B. Jenna underscore TML fan 84. Yeah, it's a roller coaster. I uh, I have not felt more emotions in a long time than I did in the last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, simply put, roller coaster ride. Stu Wild 21, uh, Riley Nye's wall, future extremely bright for this team. Yes, Chris McDonald um, making it to the second round. Baby, something to build on and was a huge mental win for the group. Leafs Nation next year. Get a new coach, sign Shen. <laughs> oh, yikes. Uh, sign O'Reilly, sign Achari, Nye's and Wall are the future. Unfortunately, I don't see Nylander staying. Ooh, do not re-sign Hall. Interesting. Uh, so many positives. So many positives from uh, Susan. Uh, Mike X80 making it to round two for the first time in many years. The emergence in such a short time of Joseph Wall saw the toughness of this group that has been lacking for a long time and in the future, which looks like a bright one for Matthew Nyes. Everybody, Nyes and Wall. Um, Very nice. How many more? Oh my gosh, there's a lot of these. Um, 
guys, I wanted to get through all of these, but everybody Any new um, ones? Any like, anyone in, that's not uh, about Matthew Nyes, um or Wall? No, everybody is basically saying that um, Okay. And friendship. Everybody says that. Oh, here. Evan ZH60, Joseph Wall, Matt Nyes, and to be honest, Callie Yarncroak. We have not mentioned him once on this show. Shout out to Callie Yarncroak for having an absolutely fantastic year, turning around what was, I don't want to say like a glossed over player, but somebody that people started to forget about and stopped giving opportunities to when he is very talented. And my God, he took advantage of an opportunity in Toronto. So congrats to Callie Yarncroak for having a great season. And uh, he's signed here for a couple more years, guys. Get used to him. Yeah, I'm glad he signed uh, 39 points in 73 games this season. Honestly, I was expecting a little bit more from the playoffs, only three points in 11 games. But hey, um, the it was a tough series. Blocks left, right, and center. It was it was a tough series. So they only get better from here. Uh, last one I want to get to here because it's a little different. This is from Jordan underscore A. Uh, Dubas abandoning the abandoning the flawed charts and analytics idiocy that those losers at the athletic jerk off to and getting good blue collar deadline pickups this season. And it showed with the first round win. Hope to see him back next season and beyond. I read that one for two reasons. One, because it shits on the athletic and two, because I agree that I think Dubas went a different direction with the people that he picked up this deadline and it really paid off like he went for what everybody has kind of been screaming about for the last decade is that the the Leafs don't go for physical big forwards, people that are just going to dig into the corners and get the puck back for their stars. And that's pretty much all he went for. And it worked. Yeah. Yeah. I did not expect Shin and McCabe guys. You're shaking your head, Beaner. What don't you agree with there? Okay. He's tried it before. What? Like it's one thing. Who? You can say he tried it with Felino. He put everything okay, all in fair. with Felino, right? Just, like, yeah. Just you were buying a Cadillac that was built on a Friday. Like, <laughs> every, everybody always says, "Oh, you got to go out and get this. You got to go out and get this. You got to go out and get this." It's got to be available. Like, I don't want the GM of my team pulling like a, a friggin' Lou Lamorello. And not to shit on a Hall of Famer, but the guy can't make trades anymore. Like, oh no, and he also can't negotiate contracts anymore. He couldn't do that to begin. Five with. times five is his favorite thing in the world. Or seven. Oh, by the way, we lost that... Darty. We lost Darty because he ran out of data, which resets at eleven fifty nine. So, um, that in eleven eleven minutes from now. <laughs> um. But, but but no, like Marty and I have been texting about it, like the, the positivity going forward, all the Leafs prospects coming up. Like, I don't want to mortgage all that to get a, a, a borderline player because Steve Simmons and Darren Dreger say the Leafs need it. Like, Kelly Rudy. <laughs> that guy couldn't see the puck when he was playing. I don't know what he thinks he's seeing now. Like... I love that they're like talking about a very specific instance and his his response is always if this is me and I'm in this. Okay, we're not talking about if you were in this situation. We're talking about what is actually happening. Can you comment on that instead of well, if I'm if I'm there, you know, if I what I would like to see as a goalie. 
<sighs> no one asked what your personal fucking opinion is if you were in the position. And yeah. then, uh, and then, furthermore, to to you talking about the players they got, like Lafferty and Achari, they they hit a lot, but they're both stupid fast. Like they're not Lafferty's so fast. They're, like they're, they're not brutes though, right? Like Dubas isn't going out and getting. Clifford or Clifford. Ryan Reeves or <laughs> right like he's he's not he's getting people that can still serve a purpose on the roster yeah agreed and, and I think that's that's maybe where I was kind of disagreeing with what you were talking about there is that everybody will, they need to get these bruisers they need to get people that'll stand up like no you need to get a hockey player someone who can play the game at an elite level who maybe is built a little differently than some of the stars like you don't need to go out and get a plug. Mm-hmm. You guys just don't give a shit about my editing of this anymore, <laughs> do you? Don't hey, guide me. I just need to. I just need to. Just like Bean said, I just need to go out there and get some better data. <laughs> <laughs> was it on the first take that we talked about your your fan five ninety appearance, or was it on the oh, second? I, one I wasn't clear when you mentioned that. Likely, so. I, th- I know. No, you, you. I believe. I believe you brought it up. Yeah, we had to restart because we had more technical difficulties. So I don't remember for Sully who disappeared one. and was never to be seen again. No, yeah, you we guys all, changed. We, we've all been here at some inside point, the ring. But... When you guys start making money, oh please God. fund this show <laughs> and internet. It might not be an issue for a lot of you folks because you guys live in the states where you have crazy internet and your plans are a thousand times better but we have, we all have to like pay like a two hundred dollars a month just to like get 10 gigabytes essentially <laughs> like i know that's that's exaggeration but it's also <laughs> not far from the truth for a lot of people so <laughs> oh yeah the uh the one thing that i've noticed the most like newfoundland does not have the same kind like i'm i live in the ontario bubble where you feel like oh all of canada's like this no like fuck, you cannot get access to to internet in a lot of places out here like you'll be driving and calls just drop out and that's normal like oh i'll call you back i'm about to hit like this spot and everyone's just like yep they just they're in this place they don't have service and everyone's just used to it like i can't make calls in most of my house and i'm in town okay roscoe wow you you saying the ontario bubble you live in the capital of the fucking country. No, but I in have our only, nation's I've only, like, capital. I've not, I didn't grow up there and I'm not, I've not been there for the majority of my life. Like the majority of my life has been spent in a small town in Southern Ontario, like outside of Toronto. Still on the 401 corridor though, were you not? Yeah. Yeah. I, That's someone, what I mean. The bubble. As someone who does a lot of driving, it's not an Ontario bubble. Southern like, Ontario bubble. I think I drove 4,000 kilometers this week and I, I can count on my hand, maybe six hours where I had decent reception, like over the course of the entire work week. Again, this is the bubble. For those of you listening from New York or uh, yeah. uh, Chicago or Vegas I'm or anywhere else in the world, Ontario, it the actually world makes more sense. Okay. Until about this time in May and then until April and everything gets good again. And through that time, I get good weather. So it's just perfect. <laughs> Ugh. 
Okay, I um I would do our outro, but nothing's working on this thing because you guys have just screwed my fucking. I just want to say, you know, this year it wasn't as much of a heartbreak like Beaner was saying um, earlier in the show. Um, I was personally a lot more mentally sound, and it wasn't the goodbyes on Twitter that sent me this time around. It was this, and I need to play it um, for everyone to listen to. I might tear up just listening to it, but uh, guys, man, I hate to have the season end and to have not have Joe Bowen or Jim Ralph to have a contract or know what their future is going to be like, and this was one of their goodbyes while on the broadcast um, last game. Well, partner, 41 years of doing this, 3,550 games, and if this is the end of the line, it's been a hell of a run for us. I've enjoyed every moment of it. Hopefully we'll be back next year, but we're not sure of that yet. Um, but to you and to everybody associated going forward with this, it has been really very, very special. And uh, I know I've Um, I, I'm a little choked up. I'm sorry, but that's it's been yeah, quite a run. So we'll be with Steph from Peswick. Love you. We're going for beers. Yeah, we are. Love you too. All right. We will ship it off to the post-game show with Jim Tabby and Frank Car- But then they sign off for the final time, saying that it might be the final. Yeah, it just... Oh, guys... Like the br- the blueprints that the Leafs media team put out uses his voice. Like I don't understand and why he's not on TV, but of course that's another topic for debate. But hopefully if they do get a new contract, I hope it's for television because clearly he is one of the voices of Leafs Nation. He is a ho- the Hall of Famer. Like bring them back. The Leafs are the only Canadian market without a homer doing their broadcasts. 41 years. Isn't that insane? Yep. He'll wind up somewhere. It's it's not going to be the end for him. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I think the, the biggest takeaway from this season is that um, I know we said that just making it out of the first round wasn't going to be enough, but it's enough to at least not feel as defeated here. Like, Steph, we lost you for a week and a half after they lost last year. Like, you I thought like, it was uh, two months. Was it two two months? It, okay. I know after that season ended, it was like, I, I was looking through episodes and I literally tagged one like, oh, Steph is back. Like, we didn't know where you went <laughs> recovering. <laughs> like, it wasn't easy. It was it was hard to want to talk about this team and, you know, everything from, or do we run it back? Do we blow it up? This just feels so much more relieving that next year and for every year after this, it's not going to be, the weight of the first round is just going to be a playoff run. Like every other team gets to go on. Like no other team goes into the playoffs with this weight of like, we are going to fucking lose game seven in the first round. It's just going to happen. Everybody else goes to the playoffs and they go, well, let's see how far we can go. And I'm excited for that feeling from now on, or at least for the next little bit of it's the playoffs. Let's see how far we can go. The first round is not the glass ceiling that we're trying to break through. Yeah. Uh, it only goes up from here and even even if it doesn't guys like Rick Calder posted on Twitter today just outlining Ovi McKinnon Stamkos's run like in between winning multiple rounds 
that's their teams didn't even make the playoffs. Like just the the record that they went through, and it's like you would expect juggernauts to push, push, get, keep getting better. And a lot of people thought, you know, if Leafs made it to the second round, they're winning the cup. But we gotta just be a little bit more realistic and. Um, it hurts, of course. It sucks, and especially with officiating and everything. But hey, um, at the end of the day, I'm proud of what this team did this season. Uh, they had an awesome regular season. I love the new pickups. I can't wait to see what this roster will look like. And it's going to be a wild summer for this team. Yep. Another one here. Uh, Simon underscore Leafs broke the curse. Mo and Willie should never leave this hockey team. Mo should be the captain. Wall and Nyes are fucking ready. Whatever next season has in store for us, bring it on. And that is exactly how I feel. Just bring on next season. I'm not I'm not as hurt. It sucks. It's it feels unfair for all of it to end this quickly, but I just I feel a lot better about everything moving forward now. It's not like it, it's finally a new chapter instead of a a rerun, you know? Yeah. It is the next chapter. It's not a, a demon flashback. Uh, I think we're past those demons, and I think the p- curse is broken. Honestly, uh, we're only going up from here. Hopefully. Agreed. Knock on wood. <laughs> Let me hey, hey folks. Again. Whoop, whoop. AKA, I, I've realized I turned the volume down. Oops, that's my bad. <laughs> Quick, quick question. Can you guys, can you guys still okay. hear me? Because I Anything know my connection is body. I can't. Okay, so two things. I and I just want to point this out to all Leafs fans that I keep – I heard one of them on the radio a while back and it was really pissing me off is they, I've heard people say, oh, well, Dubas didn't do uh, his Kawhi movement. Like they didn't do that, that trade, that Kawhi-type trade. One, Tavares was the Kawhi, all right? It didn't pan out the way we wanted it to, but that was our move. So we have done a Kawhi move, all right? I just want to put this out to Leafs fans, to everybody out there, that I'm sorry to tell you <laughs> we have already made those gigantic moves. It just didn't pan out the way we wanted to. Also, this basket. <laughs> I'm just, but I'm just. Sorry, I've sorry. heard pundits talking about, oh, what's Dubis, what's Dubis's Kawhi move? He, how, how many big moves is this guy going to have to do before he prove, like, before we accept that you know sometimes things just don't go our way? And number two. <laughs> they want him to bring in somebody that leaves. At it's the like, and number two is that I don't want to burst everybody's bubble here. The curse is not broken. The The curse has always been that we are now the team with 57 years between us and the cup, if I'm not mistaken. All right. So or more. I, I'm not the greatest with numbers, but over five decades now without a cup. And I'm pretty sure there's no other team with a greater uh, missing streak. That is ultimately the goal. So if you're wondering why Leafs fans are upset, oh, we brought the first, the first round was never the curse. It is a curse to us currently because it is annoying that we cannot break that. But the curse is we have to win a cup, all right? It does, I'm not trying to set the goalposts, you know, change the goalposts either. It has always been to win the cup. So congratulations, fellas. We finally made it out of the first round. But if we're talking about the occult, if we're talking about curses, Dubis and Shanahan, they've got lots of things to do. Keith, if they keep him around, I, Keith is the only one I'm certain if they're keep, uncertain about keeping around. But Dubis and Shanahan, if they want to, they can, they, they can look at the stats, they can trade players, they can move players, but they still need to A, most likely hire Bruce Boudreaux because that's probably someone who was screwed over by the Ballard years. And 
B, find anybody else who is screwed over by the battered years and pay them off. Dig whatever you need. You know, tear down the the gardens if they have to. They any little thing that they can figure out to you know move the Ouija board closer into saying yes, the Leafs will win and not no. They've got to figure mm-hmm. at this point because we we're we're pushing some territory that's starting to look like the Chicago Cubs. So anything is said. We I know that these guys are good analytically. They're good with trades, but if we're looking at the occult, please, I said either hire Bruce Boudreaux in some way or. You know, pay pay off some people you haven't paid off. Find people who are friends with Silla. You know, like <laughs> like uh, like Dave Keon. Honestly, maybe make Dave Keon more involved. I don't know. There's something. There's something. There, there's obviously still something that's keeping us. From, but they did. It just seems like there's obviously still something that's like that's keeping like us back. I don't know. Like I I hate to interrupt you there, Darty, but like they did that. When Shanahan came in, that was his first move was to repair all the BS that happened. Like there was a a, a sixty seven celebration dinner. Oh God, this it had to have been like two thousand and seven or something like that. And my aunt actually went to it, and Davy Keon, like it was up in the air whether he was even going to be there because he still wasn't talking to the team at the time. Like this guy was voted the greatest leaf of all time. And he went decades without talking to the team because some of the garbage that happened. And that was one of the first things that Shanahan did when he came in was he fixed a lot of the previous mistakes. Like that's why we saw Jersey numbers get retired. That's why the legends row is there. Like he has fixed a lot of those errors and, you know, put a lot of those demons to rest and it's, I think it's paid huge dividends and you see it now, like Sittler's super involved, McDonald's not, but he's with the hall of fame, like Clark Cujo, you've got so many different alumni that are always there and always in alumni jackets. They're not just there in the stands as fans. Like they're there being an ambassador for the team. Like that's already happened. I'm just saying they got. There must be one more that's missing. They they gotta find him. I said like I think it might be Bruce Boudreau. I think because I'm pretty sure he's the last person that hasn't been, you know, really been repaid by this organization, right? Like when have when was the last time the Maple Leafs organization reached out to Boudreau, right? <laughs> Who knows? Um, okay, one last little positive I want to end off on, and then we're out of here because it's late. Uh, Andy's dubious sports takes easy to forget his contribution because he fell away after the trade deadline. But I really like the development of Pontus Holmberg through the regular season. I hope he can establish himself as a regular bottom six guy next year. Pontus Holmberg. We all forgot about Chris Pontius Holmberg. I got to agree. There's a lot of, a lot of names that came out of the woodwork this year that I don't think anyone was expecting to have an impact so quickly that all did. And uh, I'm, I'm excited. I, I get it, Darty. It's not breaking through the. I get, okay, winning the cup is obviously the goal, but the weight that has been hanging over the the record of like losing the most elimination games, where you could close out a series, like losing all these game sevens in a row, like that was that's really what's been hanging over the team. Like once you break out of that, it's you're on the same playing field as everybody else, where you're just competing for the cup. When you're fighting against yourself just to get out of the first round. Like that's an added hurdle that is just totally unnecessary and nobody else is playing against, right? Like 
there's no other team that goes into the playoffs with two hurdles to, to jump over. It's just the, the cup that they're going for. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we out again. Thank you for spending all uh, 82 plus games with us. And uh, we will be back soon with, uh, okay, what's today? Sunday. Well, it's Saturday night. Uh, we'll be back midweek and we'll uh, we'll touch on all of the what's next because that's everybody's biggest stirring question is what the hell do we do now? Who's getting re-upped? Who's getting fired? Who's out the door? Lots of questions to answer. Stay tuned mm-hmm. and we'll see how many of them we can get to. We love you. It's Leafs Late Night. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Bye, Marty. <laughs> Leafs forever, not...